funds uh, and now the recovery from the pandemic. Uh, and I'm joined uh, this week by a number of uh, business leaders uh, who are leaders uh, in business and in uh, business organizations. So we have with us uh, the, uh, the presidents and the leadership of the Chambers of Commerce, uh, both the D.C. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and the Greater Washington Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, but before we get to the chambers, we want to bring in uh, a guest uh, who's going to talk to us about uh, something that we've talked about over the uh, last uh, few weeks, uh, months, as it were, uh, just about how we really get businesses uh, ready to uh, really uh, be resilient and to access all the opportunities that are before them. Uh, so with that, I want to bring in Melissa Bradley uh, from 1863 Ventures, uh, where she's the managing partner. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about her work in making businesses more resilient and looking at businesses uh, as they look to take advantage of all the programs and uh, grants and loans that are available uh, to them. So, Melissa, uh, we're going to turn it over to you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it and a pleasure to be here. Uh, I want to thank uh, the administration for this opportunity. Uh, almost. Five years ago, uh, we started 1863 Ventures, previously known as Project 500, in partnership uh, with the city, in particular with uh, Deputy Mayor Courtney Snowden at the time. So we have come full circle and are privileged and enjoy our continued relationship uh, with the city. Um, today, I want to talk about a little bit about our organization, but uh, probably more importantly, with a focus on what we're doing with uh, Capital One. Uh, as to be able to specifically support black businesses in the District of Columbia. So just a little bit of background, um, 1863 Ventures is a accelerator program that focuses on execution uh, by new majority entrepreneurs, and we consider new majority entrepreneurs as entrepreneurs of color or those who have been historically marginalized or overlooked or underserved by traditional institutions. Uh, to date, we've served over 5,000 individuals through our program, and because we started in D.C., a significant portion, almost 50% of our members are all from D.C., and so while we welcome now folks from all across the globe, we remain committed to focusing on businesses in D.C. Uh, our major goal uh, between now and 2030 is to create $100 billion of new wealth by and for new majority entrepreneurs. So as you can imagine, uh, we are very busy. <laughs> um, we do three things. Uh, we provide community to our entrepreneurs, we provide content, and we provide capital. Uh, the first is community. We run a series of cohort programs that are industry agnostic, but based on how much revenue you're generating and where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. So we have an eMERGE program, which is for early stage founders. Pipeline is for 100000 to about 750 annual revenue, and then Accelerate is for a million dollars or more. Uh, we provide content, so we have, we even before COVID-19, had online platforms, so we have been doing that. And so we provide folks to be part of a cohort, but to also get training on their own as needed, so they can be self-paced. And then we're proud to say that we just closed uh, on our first venture fund, where we provide both convertible notes as well as revenue-based financing. Um, in last year alone, we served, as I mentioned, over about 600 businesses. Uh, those businesses represented $53 million in revenue, and that was new revenue upon graduation. And the number that we're most proudest about, which we really focus on, is job creation. And last year, uh, we helped to create over 1,300 jobs amongst our members, so we are really proud of that. Uh, the program that I really want to focus on here is called the three R's, Recover, Rebuild, and Resilient. 
Uh, this is a program that is designed to both couple up our traditional coaching and content and curriculum training for any black entrepreneur in the district. And then once you've completed the training and completed your coaching hours, you are eligible to apply uh, for a grant. Um, so thanks to the generosity of Capital One, we will have $5,000 grants, non-dilutive, not to be repaid, that will be given back uh, to participants of the program. It is a competitive process, and it will be based on how well and successfully you complete the program, the coaching support that you've been provided, and do, do they, the coaches, and we at 1863 Ventures believe that you are ready to be successful in this business. We recognize that COVID-19 has hit businesses in a variety of ways, and we want to make sure that we help them bridge the gap, with particular focus on those who may need some assistance between now and the end of the year to capitalize on the holiday market, and certainly, as we saw the PPP program dry up, to try to provide a little bit of cushion through 2021. Um, our goal is to engage 500 black entrepreneurs in the district, um, and we are open to those who are starting. Maybe you've been recently unemployed and you're looking to start a business, or you've been in business for a while and you really need this help to kind of not just recover but also rebuild and think about what does this new normal mean for your business. Our hope is that this program will reinforce um, our commitment to supporting the local economic vitality, contributing to a much larger narrative around the power of black businesses here in the nation's capital. So if people are interested in that program, um, they should visit the website, which is 1863ventures.net backslash three R's hyphen DC. So the program is live. You can apply right now, and that's 1863ventures.net backslash three R's DC. And again, humbled to be here. Very grateful for DC and our continued partnership and look forward to meeting many more new entrepreneurs in the district who both need some coaching help as well as capital to get their businesses up and running and or to continue to survive and thrive. Thank you very much. So Melissa, before I bring in our guests from the chamber, uh, tell us who should apply. So if I am already in business, if I'm thinking about starting a business, who's the appropriate person to actually apply uh, for the recovery build resilience? So at this point in time, we're open to anyone. Um, so typically, the program would focus on those who are already in business. But we have made a commitment that anywhere, at least 50% of the participants will be businesses that are up and running. And then we hope that at least 20% of the businesses will be new ones because we recognize in this moment of transition, people may have started to, to start their own business and now's a great time to do so. We've seen many successful stories started in the midst of uh, economic recessions, not so much pandemics. Uh, so anyone is available to apply. The content that you get and the coaching that you receive will be tailored to the stage of your business. And then this, again, for the first time, we'll be giving grants to those who are very early and just getting started and to those who have been up and running for a while. And uh, I hate to uh, be rude and direct about uh, this question, but uh, the coaching, I know people will look forward to uh, the capital, uh, just as important. Uh, for the capital, what, what type of capital can people expect uh, if they apply and go through the program? Yeah, so um, just to level set expectations, we're talking about 20 to 30 hours of training and coaching uh, before you can apply. Uh, again, we want to make sure your business plan has been updated and revised and ready to go. The dollars that are received are all grants, so non-dilutive, don't have to pay it back. It is literally a grant. 
However, that's not the end, right? The hope is that once you've come through the program, which is why we say at least 20 to 30 hours, you have a revised business plan and we have templates already developed for people to be able to, to, to disseminate to potential investors and partners that really talks about how are they going to survive and thrive post the pandemic. And then our hope is that the $5,000 that's been funded by Capital One is a catalytic start. Uh, but then anyone who's come through the program will be considered by our venture fund, uh, as well as some of our partners in the ecosystem. We have several angel groups that have already said they would look at companies that have come through our program. And then we also have several venture capital funds that also uh, said they will come through, look at companies coming through our program. So once you've done that and we've been able to give you a grant, or even if you haven't, we have a cadre of people who are lenders, who are debt investors, uh, and who, well, who are equity investors, depending on the type of capital you're seeking. It sounds like a tremendous opportunity, and we'll look forward to making sure that we share uh, the link and the information about uh, the program. Uh, we'll do that uh, both uh, on social media, but also, of course, uh, we'll do it on the coronavirus.dc.gov slash recovery. Uh, so look out for the resources there. Uh, Melissa, stick with us because we're going to come Thank back you. and have a conversation uh, after we talk to the Chambers of Commerce. Uh, and first up uh, is the uh, uh, D.C. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they were a real big partner with us uh, a couple of months ago uh, when we were uh, really getting ready to close out, uh, or the federal government was getting ready to close out, uh, the PP loan program. Uh, and so the, uh, Angela Franco was with us uh, in the summer. Uh, she joined us to talk to us about some technical assistance that the uh, DC Chamber was going to uh, provide uh, for uh, PPP uh, interested parties. And so she's back with us today to talk about what the Chamber's been working on and how uh, they are getting businesses prepared uh, for the recovery ahead. Uh, so, Angela, bring you into the conversation. Yes, thank you. Thank you, John and Melissa. Thank you so much for your presentation. I, I think that coaching is critical in these times. I mean, money is important, but the coaching is really what's going to make the difference. So, thank you. Uh, well, the, the D.C. Chamber of Commerce was founded um, over 80 years ago, and we are, we, we are the leading organization for businesses here in the District of Columbia. We have um, the chamber counts with over a thousand members, and we help all businesses and represent them here. Um, there's three main areas that we do. One is we advocate, so we make sure that uh, there's legislation in place that protects businesses. We connect and educate, so we um, we have opportunities to do networking and to. Um, learn about how to do business and really have a support that can help businesses with strategy and especially during these different these difficult times. Um, the, the four uh, main programs are business networking and promotion. So we're always looking into different networking opportunities that we can uh, set up to, um, to help businesses connect with opportunities, especially during these difficult times. It's like we are all reinventing how, how we do that networking. So before you will go to a place, you will meet many people, but now it's like we're really looking into how to make that in, in a way that is assertive and that is really helping businesses to connect one another and to connect with opportunities. We have an employee advocacy program uh, in partnership with the Department of Employment Services where we do complementary legal advice and quarterly um, employment law seminars. That's very critical during these times. We have uh, technical assistance one-on-one -on -one to businesses in any areas that we need, and we're going to look into it in a little farther down uh, the presentation. And uh, we're also see international as a business opportunity for businesses. We're in the District of Columbia, 
We have all embassies here, and now, even with the virtual environment, it's really an opportunity to connect internationally. The Chamber this year uh, put together a state of business report, and what I want to share now is the, the main areas that, that the summary of the main areas that um, businesses need support are um, on marketing, as um, there are some statistics that show that actually 75% of sales that businesses are doing are online, and not all businesses are prepared to go there. So that's a, an area where we, where we are looking into supporting businesses, financial support, and financial meaning um, not only financial in grants, but also helping with the uh, financials and really helping them connect with a banker and help them understand their financials and how they can protect them. And, um, and also help them with the uh, safety of their location so that when they open doors, and now that, I mean, we're in phase two, but if they con as they continue to open, that they are prepared and they have all the safety measurements in place. For 2021, um, what we're looking into is enhance our one-on-one uh, -on -one technical assistance provide uh, information. I think that right now information is critical for businesses and make sure they have a person that they can talk to in case they need a license, in case they need a banker, in case they need financial assistance. Um, help and also connecting um, with international, even though it's virtual, there's opportunities and what we want to make sure is that we open those spaces for businesses and looking into increasing our virtual networking opportunities and also um, creating support online for businesses, meaning um, support on financials, support on marketing, in technology, whatever the business would need. So that's our plan for next year. We're here to help. Um, I think this is a time where we all need to work together. So John, thank you so much for putting these um, this, I mean, this opportunity for all of us really to be together because at the end of the day, we're in this together. And, um, you know, as, as interim president of the DC Chamber, being a leading organization in the district, you know, I personally feel the responsibility to make sure we're all working together and bringing resources that can help our businesses in the District of Columbia grow and succeed. Now, um, I would like to introduce um, our business, right, John, this is the time to do it? Yes, I think so. Uh, Jackie, is it okay? Yeah, you can do it, so. Okay. So um, I, um, we have with us Jacque Henderson. He's the founder and CEO of Square Tech Technologies. Uh, Square Tech Technologies was founded in 2014. It's an award-winning technology consulting firm based here in Washington, D.C., that empowers government organizations with the ability to fully leverage all their data by using the latest techniques and technologies in data analytics, artificial intelligence, application development, and user experience design. The founder, Jacque Henderson, um, he currently serves as the co-chair of the Small Business Advisory Council for the DC Chamber of Commerce and doing an amazing job, contributing member to the Washington Business Journal's Leadership Trust, served on the Advisory Council for Florida State University College of Engineering and member of the Department of Defense's Space Enterprise Consortium 
where they are prototyping and building the next generation of space technologies for NASA, Air Force, and Space Force. So, Jackway, welcome. Thank you so much, and thank you uh, for being involved and for being with us this afternoon. Thank you, Angela. Good to hear you. You too. So, go ahead, Jackway. Oh, yeah. So, thank you all for having me. Uh, excited to be able to contribute for a little bit. My journey's been absolutely unique uh, during this COVID experience. Uh, we we consult for the federal government, but we have been we had our hat out plenty of times waiting on the CARES Act 3610 to come through, and it, it really really was important for all my people. But I think for us, uh, a couple ways that we survived was honestly uh, just trying to keep my people uh, uh, confident that. I could, I could continue to drive the ship because I think if nothing else, all my people were extremely uh, just worried about the future. And, and I think with Square Peg, uh, I, I took the time off to make sure that uh, I, I gave my people that sense of comfort. comfort. And, and, we're here, and, and I don't want to say we made it through all the way. These things are still going on. But uh, things are going well, and I'm happy to be here to uh, share some, some more of my thoughts later. Well, thank you for that. And uh, next up, we want to bring in another one of our partners, another chamber uh, that we work with uh, regularly. And I want to bring in uh, Juan Mara, who's the chairman of the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, sadly, Nicole couldn't be with us today, uh, but Juan is going to fill in uh, for Nicole. So, Juan? Good afternoon. Uh, thank you, John, for having us uh, representing the Hispanic businesses in the Washington area. Uh, we're very proud uh, to partner with Zenpet and the district in making sure that our members uh, are taken care of, that our members understand that the government is here to help them with any of their needs during this very difficult time. Uh, for the past uh, 44 years, the Chamber has been the voice of Hispanic businesses in Greater Washington. Not only do we focus in Washington, D.C., but we also work with the jurisdictions in Northern Virginia and Maryland to make sure that we encompass all of our business owners. Uh, our mission is to help move Hispanic businesses forward. And during these past uh, months uh, during the pandemic, we have demonstrated that we're able to do so by helping them not only access some capital that is much needed, but also technology as well as coaching uh, for their own businesses. Uh, we're very proud to have seen some of our members evolve and pivot uh, their uh, business models in order to be able to continue to, to do business. Uh, we're also very proud of the generosity of our members and how uh, everyone lent a hand to ensure that we were able to be sustainable. Uh, with uh, the foundation arm, uh, we provide technical assistance uh, to low and medium uh, sized businesses. Uh, we partner very well with the Department of Housing and Community Development to provide technical assistance and coaching. We also work with the Mayor's Office on Latino Affairs to make sure that we provide uh, information that is very timely, uh, not only to businesses, but also to the employees of those businesses. And lastly, with the Small Business Administration and uh, our partner, Capital One, to provide uh, coaching, technical assistance, and improve the way they can do business. 
during uh, COVID-19, uh, we, we figured that, especially what Angela said, our networking events were not going to be uh, in person any longer, so we had to figure out how to disseminate information and how to make sure that we still provided a platform for businesses to do business with each other and to promote their uh, products. So we created the Minuto a Minuto Estamos Contigo, minute by minute we are with you, newsletter that you were able to find in our social media platform through our email uh, blast and also on our website. Uh, in there, we had messaging from uh, leaders uh, uh, of local, local um, jurisdictions uh, and the government that were able to communicate directly to our members. We also were able to quickly try and help with coaching of, uh, to attain PPP loans. Uh, one of our members uh, that I will introduce later was really essential in helping us with making sure that our members were ready to participate in the program, but also with other grant providers. Um, other banks in the area were able to provide some relief. The district government did so as well, uh, as well as maybe Google or Microsoft. So we wanted to make sure that all the documents that those businesses uh, needed in order to participate in those programs, they were ready for. And we did it through a series of webinars in, uh, inclusive of uh, our newsletter. Uh, lastly, we understood that uh, businesses were changing daily, but they still needed to promote uh, their business, and so we created a pitch your business uh, networking event uh, virtually that was very successful, and thankfully many of our members were able to participate and win some prizes, but also still do business with each other. It's very important for us to preserve the integrity of the businesses in the district, in Virginia and Maryland. Um, we participated, and I think that this was very important to us, uh, in conjunction with American University, we promoted a survey of 152 Latino-owned businesses to really understand the impact of COVID-19 in our community. And we found that much like many other businesses, they needed capital, but what they were really looking for was how to use technology to improve or pivot their business. So we, we, we put that in place very quickly with partners and help them either create uh, a new platform or uh, uh, create connections to have that ability to be able to sell uh, through e-commerce, to be able to meet with people through online platforms. Uh, and lastly, uh, we also found that there was a big need for um, uh, PPE supplies. And we saw a number of, of our own members uh, maybe change their, their um, model a little bit. Uh, those that couldn't host events any longer were able to provide signage, they were able to provide and manufacture shields, as well as hand sanitizer that we were able to connect with uh, multiple business owners. So we're very proud of what we were able to accomplish in this very, very difficult time. Um, you can please follow us on social media. You will see uh, our daily uh, content as well as the programming that we have uh, on, a, on a weekly and monthly basis to help you with your business. Now I would like to introduce uh, CFO Services Group. Uh, Manny Cosme is not only a great friend but also a board member of our chamber. He is the treasurer and through this past several months, uh, he was instrumental in helping 
our members understand the process to access capital, but also to preserve uh, their businesses, and as of late, working on how to uh, request forgiveness of those PPP loans. Uh, through different webinars that he conducts uh, by himself with his group, uh, with CFO Services Group, but also through the platform of our chamber. Uh, Manny, uh, floor is yours. Yes, no, thanks for having me. Uh, Manny Causey, CFO Services Group. So as, as Juan said, uh, we are a management accounting firm focused on bookkeeping and financial strategy here in D.C. And as you can imagine, uh, when this uh, pandemic started, the PPP rolled out, we became very busy very fast. At first we panicked because we thought we were going to you know, uh, we were going to lose clients, and then we quickly realized we actually needed to step up to the plate and really help preserve our clients and then the community. And so we spent the last few months doing a ton of pro bono work with businesses, uh, done PPP, funding, of course, helping businesses fill out the application. We're now doing the forgiveness part of that, so we're helping businesses uh, apply for the forgiveness um, we've done a ton of um, webinars just teaching businesses kind of how to think strategically about their finances during this time, how to pivot, how to look to find what resources they need financially in order to make that pivot, um, provided free bookkeeping services. So we've just been really trying to be involved um, in this process, just really trying to help our community uh, not only survive but thrive during this challenging time. Well, thank you, Juan and Manny. And I want to bring in another uh, one of our partners, another one of our chamber partners. Uh, it's actually the newest uh, chamber president uh, that we have with us, uh, Tanae Dolphin, uh, who is the president and CEO of the Greater Washington uh, Black Chamber of Commerce. Tanae, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Deputy Mayor, and I want to thank Mayor Muriel Bowser for having us and having these series of conversations. Um, uh, like many have said, I'm excited and humbled to be here, but I think it is a very important conversation to have. Just a little bit about uh, the Greater Washington Black Chamber of Commerce, as Sean mentioned, I'm sorry, the Deputy Mayor mentioned, we are the new kids on the block. Um, we were founded in 2017, um, and a huge launch last summer, uh, 2019, just in the nick of time. Um, I came on board literally this past October, October 5th, um, and joined the team. The Chamber has been focused on uh, providing programming and establishing um, a space here in Washington. We're also a member of the U.S. Black Chamber, um, which is our larger uh, uh, entity. We're excited to collaborate uh, with the other chambers as well as the other black chambers in the region. Just a little bit more about um, what we're doing. And our mission is to simply grow uh, black businesses here in the district. Um, our vision is to be the leading voice for black businesses, and more importantly, enable growth in revenue of $100 million um, for local black businesses. We want to do that through a number of ways increasing uh, the number uh, of black businesses here, encouraging their growth, promoting uh, black-owned businesses to participate in local and federal government, uh, present uh, and, and, and be the voice for them, advocate uh, on their behalf, recruit the largest professional membership of black-owned businesses. We also want to make sure that we've got information. I think it's important for us, 
one of the things that uh, a lot of cities have found, and, and including Washington, D.C., is there's not a great record or uh, registration of our businesses. And so we want to be able to track, monitor, and disseminate data that connects to black-owned businesses. And lastly, we want to make sure that we facilitate access to capital as well. When you think about all of those things, you can really boil it down into four main buckets. Business opportunity, information, access, and advocacy. During this pandemic, uh, the Chamber has really had to focus our response. And it has been in three specific places. Education and information, advocacy for local initiatives, uh, and strategic partnerships with a focus on recovery and resiliency. When we think about that information and education, we immediately go to the PPP and the EIDL. Uh, as we saw, there were a lot of businesses that uh, could not apply, were not successful. It was really imperative for all of our partners at the table, including the Black Chamber, to step up and provide very focused uh, technical assistance. The other thing that was really critical was to provide a list of banking opportunities. Um, it was during this season that if you didn't have a relationship or uh, a connection, a personal connection with a bank, that you might have been left out of this conversation. And so uh, it was a real need for us to understand which banking partners were ready to receive um, our members. Advocacy. We're really excited to, to not only partner with the Deputy Mayor's Office, but also Council Members' Office when we supported uh, and pro uh, provided information for the BSA and were part of the equity working group. Uh, we were also a part of the legislation that supported $100 million to businesses impacted by COVID. And lastly, a number of our board members have uh, participated in the Mayor's Reopening Task Force. So our voice is at the table, and I think that's important, especially, again, as the new kids on the block. Lastly, I'll talk about strategic partnerships. Strategic partnerships are critical to any organization, but especially a small and new organization like ourselves. But we supported and connected with the Black Coalition Against COVID-19. We expanded a partnership with Washington Former so that we can increase our outreach. Uh, we partnered very closely with Industrial Bank, as I said before, which was one of those banks who provided um, a real connection and opportunity and literally held hands while our businesses applied for those PPP loans. Uh, we're really grateful for the Mayor's Office of African American Affairs as we have received the grant so that we could extend these educational opportunities. And then lastly, I want to talk about the USBC, the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce, uh, has created the Buy Black Initiative. That is really ready and live now, and what that is is going to be the largest registration of black-owned businesses across the country, but we will be able to understand and know and connect to our black businesses through this registry. It will eventually connect to a complete platform from um, a number of, of opportunities from business to business and consumer, and so we're really excited about partnering with that. You can, uh, I think, find us, because it's really important to get connected to us right now. Um, I think coming up our slide will be our uh, information we are uh, located at gwbcc.org. Uh, we've got social media presence. But I think it's also really important for you to go right now to www.iblack.us and register your business. 
Without further ado, I want to introduce our business partner, Mr. Luigi LeBlanc. Mr. Luigi LeBlanc is the Vice President of the Zane Network here in Washington, D.C. Been in business almost about two decades, I uh, And one of the things, uh, he's been a critical partner for us, but I think it's really important for you all to know that he is a member of two chambers um, uh, at the table. And that's going to be the reality for a lot of our businesses. And so without further ado, I'd love for Luigi to talk more about Zane Networks and how you've been able to um, connect to the workforce here in Washington, D.C. Well, thank you very much for the invitation to, to participate. And as, as evident, I clearly didn't um, opt out of being here in person suffering from a little bit of COVID uh, cabin fever. <laughs> so I am here joining you guys uh, in person. But thank you, Deputy Mayor, for the invitation. Uh, I think this is a very timely topic. Uh, in some ways, um, Zaynet is a small business. It's been very fortunate that our core business is in health and health technology. And so as a result, the demand for, um, for health services and technology services in particular, when the pandemic struck, uh, had increased tremendously. And with that said, um, every, every business, including ours, has had to figure out how we transition from a person-to-person -person, um, business to a virtual business almost overnight. And we were quite fortunate in that we had participated in the SBA's Emerging Leaders Program, which allowed us to prepare our growth plan. Uh, the coaching that we talk about is so central, allowed us to prepare the growth plan and with a specific focus on our financial readiness. And I can't tell you how invaluable that it's been, because even as a business that's been around for um, two decades here in the district, serving healthcare constituencies, uh, the agencies, providers who are small businesses, we still struggled with the PPE application. We still struggled. We missed the first round with the banks that we had the relationship with. So having the advocacy of the chambers, um, having the coaching, uh, having the relationships that prioritizes on small businesses, uh, first are going to be critical uh, as we see that the, the, we're moving in some ways into a, a next phase of this pandemic um, and we're going back to square one. So many businesses need this, this guidance. We need this assistance. Uh, we need access to capital that prioritizes on us. And so I'm very pleased to be here participating. Thank you. Well, thank you, Luigi, and thank you to all of our uh, panelists. This is really uh, instructive to hear uh, of all the work that's being done by the chambers, uh, but also their business partners, as well as 1863 Ventures. Uh, so we're going to open up a conversation here. Uh, if you're watching uh, and you want to join the conversation, you can do so on social media. We're streaming on Facebook. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you could also use the hashtag uh, DC Hope. And for those on the phone line, uh, you can press zero now, and that will get you into the queue uh, to ask a question. Uh, and so, uh, but with all these panelists, I think we're going to have a conversation and we'll see how much uh, we can get in those questions because uh, of the limited time that we have. Uh, but I want to go to Melissa first. Uh, Melissa, uh, uh, I know of uh, someone who said that you have to plan the work uh, and then work the plan. Uh, and it sounds like, Melissa, that might be your mantra as well. Uh, and uh, I think it was helpful to hear about the coaching and the capital concept. But tell us a little bit about a story of a success story that you've had uh, by folks who've gone through uh, the work of 1863 uh, Ventures and just sort of what that means to folks. I think that helps us connect sort of with who should uh, 
or reach out to you? Sure, I'll give two different examples because we, as I mentioned, we are industry agnostic. Uh, so one is I think someone everybody uh, should know in the district and that is Nubian Human. Uh, Anika Hobbs was one of our early entrepreneurs when we were running the program and we were physically running the program in uh, Southeast DC. And she came through and at the time she was based within the Anacostia uh, Museum but really wanted to expand. And so she completed the program uh, and then we continued to support and coach her. We provided technical assistance around revamping her website, getting her inventory together. Uh, and as many of you now know, while there's been clearly some struggles because of COVID, she was able to expand her store to Baltimore. So she has two locations, uh, which in light of COVID is probably not as relevant in terms of retail, but now has actually completed her vision, which is expanding her footprint and being able to create a much broader and global audience. So we are extremely proud of Anika, and I know many other folks have also supported her as well, including the city. Uh, but that is one example of someone who is retail uh, and really helping her think about expansion geographically, expansion in terms of SKUs. Uh, she has increased her product diversity uh, and, and, again, revamped her website, so we're very excited about that. Another one that probably I think is, is uh, dare I say, atypical of D.C. businesses that we see is a company called Smith & Sons, which has been around for a very long time in the construction business. And as things have changed in the industry, we have seen a real uh, push for our entrepreneurs who have come through this program to think about where do they pivot and how do they think about new business models. Uh, Smith & Son has been around for over 20 years. They were a multi-million dollar business, uh, and they had typically done a lot of infrastructure. But they realized that as the cranes started to come down from the sky, and certainly luckily pre-COVID, but just how do I diversify my business, they pivoted into security as a service business. And they were fortunate enough to get a contract with the city, uh, the convention center. Uh, I believe they also did the, the new arena, Go Mystics, uh, and then uh, were able to ultimately uh, get a relationship with Apple. So they actually did all the security at the new Apple flagship store, uh, which is here in Northeast DC. Uh, and there's a, an organization that we helped through. We really think that helped them think about their pivot. We helped them retain new leadership. The CEO stepped aside. We helped them form a board of directors. Uh, we made sure they got connected to larger contract partners and then obviously helped them with the negotiations of the license to be able to launch this new uh, security as a service business. So we provide a high level of topics from finance to marketing to sales to people and culture. And then through the one-on-one -on -one coaching, we're able to provide nuanced support for any entrepreneur who may be going through whatever pivot that may be. And that was certainly well before COVID. So look forward to being able to help folks now. Uh, I was just thinking back to uh, for folks who uh, were thinking of a time before the pandemic where we used to travel. Uh, this time last year, uh, we were actually in Ethiopia with the D.C. Chamber, uh, and we were uh, there on both a uh, cultural but also a trade mission. Uh, so, Angela, I want to bring you and the Chamber into this conversation about so when people are looking for new opportunities, because that was what the mission was about, where do you tell them to look these days, and how do they kind of look past the challenges and start to find the opportunity? Melissa, I heard a little bit in Melissa's answer, but where do you point them, and maybe you and uh, Josh talk to us about that. Yes, thank you, Deputy Mayor. Yes, I mean, when when I when I talk to people about opportunities, um, I always look at certification, like, you know, looking, for example, into um, – Get, getting certified as a women-owned business or to work with corporate America, to work with the federal government, or, you know, to get certified to do work with the D.C. government. If it is, if it is a company that is in a, in a moment that we can do it. If it is a startup, I always look at businesses in three steps. So one is a startup, so if it is a startup company, 
maybe sometimes what they need is more technical assistance or maybe connecting them with a financial institution or with an accountant or with a banker. And then when companies have been in business two years or more and they're ready to, uh, to, to go into, a, into another place, then I always look into certifications. And right now, um, in, the, um, in the moment we're living, we, I really do one business at a time. You know, what do you need? What are you going through? Um, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking for clients or are you looking to rebound your website or are you looking for technology? And then we're really working one business at a time. And I, I, I think that, that that's why it has been so important the partnership with the Office of Economic Development. And, I, you know, I really want to commend the mayor and the Office of Economic Development for being so open about really possibilities and opportunities to help the business community and looking for ways that would work right now. We're really living in a, I mean, I've been in business for years since I started my career. That's what I've done. I got small business lending. But this time that we are going through right now is really a unique time where we need to look at one day at a time. We need to look at one business at a time and see how we can help them pivot, how we can connect them with somebody that can help them with a strategy or a bank that can help them with a loan and really look at, we're looking at it that way. And that's the way we're working in the different partnerships that we have, especially the one with the Office of Economic Development here in the district. Absolutely. Another opportunity I want to highlight for folks is uh, each year, and this is something that we've done in the mm -hmm. past uh, with the chambers, but with each year we also highlight the opportunities in D.C. government. Uh, mm -hmm. Mayor Bowser started something called the Green Book, uh, the Green Book lists all of those opportunities uh, that we do for contracting and procurement, uh, and it's something that we do with our Department of Small Local Business Development. So that Green Book is launched each November, uh, so look for that uh, as an opportunity to, as uh, Angela said, the, really the certification is very important to be ready for those opportunities. Uh, so if you're interested in doing work with district government, look towards the certification that you need right now, because that Green Book is coming out to talk about all the opportunities that are to come. Uh, so Juan, I have a little bit more of a technical question uh, for you and Manny, uh, and this relates to the PPC loan program. Uh, the District of Columbia uh, saw its businesses uh, being lent uh, $2.2 billion, over $2.2 billion uh, in PPC loans, uh, but those loans, as you all mentioned, are forgivable. Uh, so what is your best advice for businesses as they think about that forgiveness phase, uh, and what should they do to be prepared for that? Uh, certainly, uh, Deputy Mayor, thank you for that question. Um, the, the issue with the initial phase of PPP loans is that no one was certain about the mechanics or how it was exactly going to work. The SBA uh, had to change and accommodate this massive stimulus uh, multiple times until we got it right. That is, what, that is among the reasons that banks weren't as responsive as they could have been in the beginning. That hasn't changed with forgiveness. Forgiveness continues to evolve and it takes a lot of steps right now. Some banks have opened their platforms uh, to start applying for forgiveness, but truth of the matter is some others haven't. And the reason being is because there's no clear direction from the SBA yet. And luckily, the, the uh, forgiveness uh, plan changed initially from only a few months since the loans were handed out to 
to now through December. So we have more time, uh, and, and thankfully we do. Uh, but I think the advice that we will give, and the advice that uh, Mr. Manny, I don't want to speak for him, uh, is make sure that the businesses are ready. We found multiple times that, unfortunately, uh, some of the data that was required wasn't easily accessible, be it uh, payroll history, be it uh, uh, certificates, be it make sure, make sure that we had the correct ownership of businesses in order to make sure that uh, the loans could be provided. Secondly, uh, or lastly for now, we need to make sure that all the contacts, that all the ownership is ready and that the uh, depletion of those loans has taken place. So there are going to be documents necessary for uh, businesses to request forgiveness once the platforms are available. Uh, Manny, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I think uh, one of the key points that you made there, which is important for small businesses to know, is that um, your bank may not be ready or your lender may not be ready yet to accept your forgiveness application, which is a little frustrating. Um, we've been actually running a PPP forgiveness clinic here at my company um, every other week. So uh, every other week we've been running a clinic to help businesses actually apply for the loan forgiveness. And it's interesting because probably – three-quarters of the clients we've tried to help so far, uh, we've had to stop because their bank, their lender was not ready to accept the application. So it's been a little frustrating. But I will say um, I've actually applied for it for myself and a handful of other businesses. And um, if you have all the paperwork, it's actually very simple. It takes maybe 10 minutes to fill it out. Um, so if your lender is ready to accept it, I would recommend just doing it now. Don't wait. You, you might as well just apply for it now. Um, just get it over with. Um, unfortunately, if they're not ready, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. So in the meantime, just get all your paperwork together um, and, uh, and then just be ready to apply. All right, Manny, since you already went through it, you've got to tell us. So if I'm a business owner, I have a PPP loan, right, and now I haven't really done anything to think about the forgiveness portion, what should I get together after hearing this call today? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, so there's a few documents you're going to need. Um, so hopefully um, you have run payroll through a payroll system that has a PPP forgiveness report. That is by far the easiest thing because the rules are complicated in case you haven't noticed or paid attention to that. It can be a little complicated. So um, we use like, uh, like ADP's platform or Gusto's platform or if you're familiar with payroll systems, platforms like that. Um, actually have a report built into them, which makes it really easy to get the information. Um, if you're not, you do have to do some calculation by hand, and that's where you definitely probably just want to have an accountant uh, work with you just to make sure that you get all of that right because there are a lot of complicated rules there. Um, so on top of that, um, you're going to need um, your original um, – if, if you got an EIDL loan, the SBA's disaster loan, you're going to need that amount and that loan number. Um, if you got an advance on the SBA's disaster loan, you're going to need that number. Um, and if you're going to claim any non-payroll expenses, you just need that ready. So proof of rent, proof of mortgage insurance, uh, interest, sorry, uh, transportation expenses, utilities. Um, so just have those expenses ready to prove that you paid them. Oh, and full-time employees, make sure you have, you know, you actually kept your, the same number for full-time employees. And, again, your payroll record should help prove that. 
Juan and Manny, I think you might have to give one of these clinics uh, at some point in the very near future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So important throughout the pandemic because a lot of times we're focused on our pivots uh, and not sort of the processes that we have to follow out. Uh, but uh, today I want to bring you into the conversation again and talk about sort of the pivots. For the chamber, what have you done to sort of pivot this year? And, uh, and I know your members are doing it uh, as well, uh, so we're Luigi in as well. But how have you sort of uh, faced the pandemic and uh, what does it mean for the chamber to pivot as well? Thank you, thank you, Deputy Mayor. First, yeah, we had to pivot. Um, as I mentioned, while the chamber launched um, last summer, um, they did not have an executive director. But I was really impressed by the board who rolled up their sleeves to um, host those educational uh, seminars and webinars um, and also create those strategic partnerships. And so while there are about six or seven um, major things that we have to do as an organization, we really focused it and honed it in on those three things, as I mentioned before, the education, the strategic partnerships, and the advocacy. Um, but, but we also talked about you know, connecting to the local legislation and that funding. Uh, it was a, it's critically important for us to be a part of um, some of the equity conversations. I think you know, we all are aware of not only are we in the midst of a pandemic, uh, but there was, a, it was racial tension this summer, which I think created a different spotlight for black businesses. And so we also had to be ready, right? to be at the table for those important conversations when there were really great um, partners who wanted to do something about it, who wanted to partner with us uh, and impact the businesses that we serve. Um, as far as our businesses, I, you know, I'm always uh, really excited about um, new business opportunities. And so whether it was you know, folks creating health stations uh, that are critical to make other businesses safe, yard signs, my son just celebrated his sixth birthday, uh, and, and there's a whole new business for yard signs. I won't say how much I've paid for that. And then online platforms. Um, you know, for some and for others, it took a little bit more time and a lot more capital to do that pivot. Um, but I cut my teeth maybe 15, 20 years ago at an 8A firm who's focused on Y2K preparedness. No one does that anymore. But what that was was contingency planning, strategic planning, and really, in essence, resiliency. And so whether it's looking at our funding models, our partnerships, our workforce development, um, what I'm excited about is that um, even in this crisis, businesses are creating uh, a resilient model that is going to help them even after this crisis. And Luigi, you talked about being in the healthcare space and the telehealth uh, space. And so your solutions are obviously needed. You probably have had to make some pivots too this year. So how have you gone about uh, navigating the pandemic? Uh, Tanae, thanks for the question. And uh, Tanae mentioned it for us. We had to look at it internally as an organization in terms of uh, cultural competency amongst our work, amongst our staff, encouraging dialogue internally because everyone brings a different experience to the table. We have to keep our, our teams um, resilient and um, um, appreciation for uh, the work that they're doing and celebrate that. And so we, we, it almost became almost a marketing piece where we would identify individuals who are doing good work from different perspectives. We encourage them to 
uh, participate in the community so they get a little bit of physical activity. And we recognized that and celebrated that and shared that amongst the team because then that would then translate into their ability to, um, um, to better serve our clients. And because they've had to do that virtually. Unfortunately for us, because we're a company that's versed and well baked in technology, it wasn't a heavy lift to everyone was already virtual uh, and mobile, most of it, but we still had to get our uh, some of our infrastructural pieces virtual as well. The mention of Gusto, we moved to Gusto <laughs> right before the pandemic, and what time, and that was very timely, so I just learned something today so that's going to help us with the forgiveness piece of it. But, so those were some of the pieces that we did, um, the elements that we put in place internally to perform better. And then the other thing that uh, we're starting to do is we created a, um, not a fund, but we're allocating um, um, funding so that um, our workforce can, re can invest in themselves, so that they can get training at this time to prepare themselves so that we're ready uh, for the next pandemic that may come. Hopefully it doesn't come. But we encourage our employees, we give them $1,000 of a stipend so that they can get uh, additional training during this time while they're virtual. Both it's a great uh, uh, mental, uh, uh, mental strengthening, resiliency piece for them, but also it keeps them uh, competent and keeps them focused on where they're interested. So we've done a few of those things to um, our workforce um, moving forward. And uh, it's really helpful and to think about the sort of the certification on one hand and then the training on the other is really a great way to sort of uh, think beyond the pandemic as well. Um, Mr. Henderson, you've been uh, talking to us too about kind of the what you had to do to change as sort of a leader of the organization in the midst of the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about sort of the best piece of advice uh, that you may have gotten during the pandemic uh, in order to be that leader of your organization. Sure, sure. And I think it's one that a lot of other people have heard. Don't let a good crisis go to waste, right? I never knew what that really meant until until now. Because when you unpack that, it's two things, perception and direction. And perception and direction, those are the things that enable people to pivot, right? You have to figure out where you want to go and if you're going to go in that direction. And, and lastly, when most companies, or especially from a small business perspective, you're not going to be able to make a 180 pivot, right? You may make a 90-degree 90, 90 pivot or a 10-degree pivot. For us, our company, we pivoted to a, a bank through a relationship that we had through D.C. Chamber of Commerce. That was a pivot. And through that, you know, that, that, that's the idea of people don't let these things go to waste because it, it really is how you perceive it and what direction you want to go in as a result. Absolutely. I saw a lot of uh, head nodding on that one. Melissa, I'm going to bring you back in. Uh, how do you do that uh, when you're, uh, you know, a sole proprietor, uh, or maybe it's a two-person shop, three-person shop? How do you kind of navigate that uh, and make sure that you know uh, where you want to go, especially in these troubling times? Yes, yeah, so I want to commend all the entrepreneurs who are on this panel um, because I think it just speaks to the resiliency of, of entrepreneurs in general. And particularly those here in the nation's capital. You know, I think there is something to be said that size matters. And, and I think that for any business that's actually a sole proprietor or I'd say under five to 10 employees, it's probably a lot easier because you're much more nimble and able to move. It's not impossible if you're a hundred person firm, but you know, culturally it's going to take some time. So I would say if you are a, 
pretty atypical business owner in D.C. with one to three employees or maybe a little bit more, but certainly under 50, this is a tremendous time to do two things. One, to get in touch with your team uh, and find out what are they working on, what have they learned to make improvements so that you can actually achieve scale and improve your margins, and what are some things that they have ideas about and want to spend time on. So I think one of the challenges as your company grows, you tend to get farther and farther away uh, for some of the details. And so this is a chance to really talk to your frontline folks, so to speak, and say, what are you seeing in the marketplace and where do you see opportunities? And any pivots or adjustments should be a collaborative process with your team because it'll be up to them to be able to execute. And if you are that person, then it's a perfect time to look in the mirror and say, what am I really enjoying about this business? What am I not? Where are there some opportunities for me to make improvements and begin to do things differently? But all of that obviously starts with talking to your customer. And I think this is a place where we're all stuck on Zoom or we're stuck at home and, yep, we're all looking for a reprieve to go out. But this is a chance to think about all the, the technical online tools that are available during surveys, looking at if you're uh, hooked up to an account like Square or someone else and looking at that data and saying, where are my customers located? What are they buying? How much are they spending? And really spending time creating customized uh, outreach to them and, and sending letters and making phone calls and sending texts and you know, what it does is it surfaces what information do you have to really better communicate with the customers and where there are gaps, how do you start to fill them in? But I think you are finding a deep, deep commitment, particularly to folks wanting to support entrepreneurs of color or support women in light of all that's happening in the world. And so you want to take advantage of that and make sure they can see you and they know you and you're on the website and you're part of your social media. I think, too, it's a great way to try new things, try different pricing, try discount pricing, try bulk pricing, uh, and not necessarily all across the board, but in small units and, and various incentives. Um, you know, I think this is really a chance for entrepreneurs to think outside the box. The key, of course, is to be uh, like Mr. Henderson and not panic and really see this as an opportunity that sometimes we don't take as entrepreneurs, which is to pause and really take time to assess the business. So I say break out the whiteboard. Uh, talk to your peers, you know, Tanae and others are doing great work in, in the chambers and having a support community. Uh, reach out to folks like us if you have very specific uh, questions or, or want to have a conversation about tactics. But this is a chance to really rethink what are your core capacities in terms of running the business and how do you really meet your customers' needs and even begin to expand so that your margins don't decline, but they actually increase because you've now found new avenues of distribution or new types of products to share with them. Melissa, uh, I think you're talking yourself into becoming my coach pretty soon uh, with all this advice that you have. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to, uh, on that uh, note, kind of we've got to wrap up here. So I'm going to ask each of the chambers to kind of give their sort of their 30-second piece of advice to all of our listeners. Uh, before we do that, uh, we did have a question, a couple questions on social media, uh, but wanted to get to one uh, because I know there are many who are watching who are interested. Uh, Julie uh, wrote in on social media and had asked, uh, when will the DC Small Business Resiliency Grant uh, be awarded? And that actually will be awarded this month. Uh, those grants will be awarded this month. Uh, with all of our grants, when we make an award, uh, there is uh, uh, some information that uh, you'll likely have to uh, provide us. There's also a grant agreement that will have to be executed. Uh, and then uh, there is the disbursement. So the award comes first, uh, some back and forth, and then the uh, disbursement. We try to make that as efficient as possible. Uh, but that'll be happening uh, this month. Uh, so I'm going to go from uh, the youngest to the most seasoned. Uh, and I'll start with Tanae for her uh, parting advice. I kind of knew that was going to happen. Um, I, I, you know, there's been so much great information that's already been shared, and I almost want to take um, some information that just happened, which was do not panic. And I think it's easier said than done when you see uh, 
uh, you know, the numbers drop so drastically. Um, but this really is an opportunity, and we've got to seize the moment. There are so many amazing partners in Washington, D.C., uh, so much great work coming out of, of our local government um, that the resources are here. Uh, and this really is your time. The same courage that you had to start your business, the same courage uh, that you will need to uh, outlast and be even better, um, come out even better from this, this crisis. And so I'm, I'm excited um, to be a partner with not only these chambers and the speakers uh, that were a part of this conversation today, but I'm excited to partner with the small businesses in D.C. Um, to come back and build better. Mark? First of all, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, for us to be here at the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, you know, one thing that I, that I would say is that we, D.C., was very resilient during the 2008 financial crisis, and we were able to come out of it with flying colors. The city has grown tremendously. It has really reimagined itself, and it is all because of its residents, but also of all the business owners and the businesses that we hold here in the city. We can do it again. We will also go through the pandemic and pass the flying colors. But let's not put our guard down. This winter may be a little tough. Uh, we think that we will have another stimulus package and that will be really helpful. And please use us as a resource. We're happy to help. We're here to help virtually until we can see each other again in person. Thank you, Deputy Mayor, and thank you um, for, to all of you for participating and for inviting the DC Chamber. Um, what I would say is that, I mean, you're not alone. We don't have all the answers. There's a lot of uncertainty, and that's the reality that we're living now. But we are here to help. I mean, we do this because we're, we're passionate about businesses and entrepreneurs, and we know, and I personally know it's not easy, and it takes courage. It takes um, time. It takes passion. And I am so passionate about the business community that the only thing I can say is count on us. We are here to help. We are partnering with different organizations so that we can bring resources to you. So I really want all of you to feel comfortable calling and contacting, um, I mean, contacting us and the DC Chamber of Commerce at any moment. If we don't have an answer, we'll find. But you're not alone. We have a support system working with you to help you through. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to our entrepreneurs, to Melissa, to the Chambers for joining us today. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, D.C. Hope. Uh, Mayor Bowser uh, coined that. It means that we believe in health, opportunity, prosperity, and equity, and it's something that we all work on together uh, with the Chambers. So we're glad to have the conversation with you. Uh, there's also uh, a bit of hope uh, this week. We heard hope about uh, the possibility of a, a new vaccine uh, for uh, the coronavirus. We've also uh, have hope because of the uh, you know, new administration uh, that will be coming in uh, in about 71 days, uh, if anyone is counting. Uh, and then we also have uh, hope because uh, we appreciate the service uh, of others. Uh, and one thing we can't uh, end this without saying is uh, happy Veterans Day. Uh, we appreciate all the service to everyone who has served uh, this country and continues uh, to serve this country in so many different ways. But to those who served in the military, we want to say a special thank you uh, with Veterans Day uh, happening tomorrow.
And then, as always, uh, we list all of this information. Uh, we know we put a lot out there uh, in this one hour, uh, but we list all this information at coronavirus.dc.gov slash recovery. Uh, so be sure to keep checking out that page, uh, look for those new opportunities, and look for those uh, chances that we have to share new information with you. Uh, so we ask everybody to have a safe, healthy, and socially distant week. And don't forget, uh, as Juan said, don't let your guard down. Keep your mask up. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>